Hey, before the podcast gets started, I need you to do something. Go to iTunes, leave a rating and a review, and then, most importantly, tell your friends. World Champion Podcast depends on you for support, and the Smogville economy ain't getting any stronger. So again, tell your friends. Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. Father! If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Johnson. Good Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Recording from a car inside of a Ferris wheel, it's World Champion Podcast. I am but one man. My name is Brighton. And I am the other, Sean. He's the other, Sean, and the other, comma, Sean. Legally, we'll have to dispute the placement of that Oxford comma. That's true. Or just regular comma. I, I was advised by my lawyers to say that. Yeah, exactly. Don't say another word, though. We are two men who signed a bad contract with the Smogville World's Fair. We now are based inside of a Ferris wheel, forced to discuss the only things we truly understand, obscure and forgotten pop culture and other mysteries of the universe. We talk good. We talk fast. We talk true. Hi. Hi. Trapped inside a car, inside a Ferris wheel, inside the Smogville World's Fair. Inside a cloud of pollution. Yeah, it just is interesting you worded it that way. Worded it that way because it reminded me of like, like Russia, a, a puzzle inside of enigma, inside of a conundrum. Yeah, actually, um, Mr. Pumpernickel did announce just today that he's going to be investigating our ties to Russia. Right. Um, so that's why I was kind of. That's why I said the other Sean, just to kind of. Like I said, my lawyers advised me to kind of talk this way just because you said that. Well, that's going to be our main defense is that it was a couple other guys. Right. Yeah, it was other Sean and other Brighton mm-hmm. were the ones who bought those bootleg DVDs that's how of I, Last Action Hero. That is how I recall it. I do not recall it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll edit this out later. We'll be fine. Legally, right. you, anything you edit out can't be used against you. It's true. Um, I want to follow up on something from a couple weeks ago. I had mentioned a strange incident I had where I was leaving my workplace. Mm-hmm. And I opened ah. the door and walked down a few stairs, and someone said, thanks for holding the door, and then flipped me off. Yeah. So I have been timing it every day to get an average. Okay, good. Because <laughs> not just once isn't science. So you got, you got the little uh, hourglass from, from, like, what's that game, that brain game? I don't know. Cranium. Cranium? Maybe. Yes, cranium. Yeah, I've been taking the hourglass and that block of clay, and uh, I've been timing how long it takes for me from when I push the door open to when I walk down the steps and then stand on the sidewalk to where I was standing. And that's just how long it takes, because I also, um, if you recall, I believe I was standing on the sidewalk for at least a second and a half or two seconds before I heard it. Right. But this is strictly how long it takes me to go out the door and walk down the stairs. On average, 7.39 seconds. Is the time from the door close from you leaving going? It's through the time the door. for me opening the door, so maybe I should wait till I step through the door. Yeah, but I'd I don't know. That. But that's a long time. That's almost a, a bull ride. That is. That's like that's nothing to snort at. Yeah. So I again, I just am further 
sure of my own righteousness because that's a really long time to think that you have to hold the door for someone that you don't even see. And it's a question that there is not easily answerable. Like this is not something you can Google. Like what is the square root of the hypotenuse or whatever? Well, since I did go downstairs, oh wait a minute, that does kind of form a triangle. It does bring in the geometry. So there might be huh? a hypotenuse involved. That's true. Wow, that made it more complicated. Okay, I'm going to have to take a picture tomorrow from the side and then figure out the angles. I guess the door is obviously like a straight up and down thing. And then the angle down the stairs is mm-hmm. an uh, obtuse angle. Yeah, don't, is that correct? Well, you're being obtuse right now. Or so. we're talking isosceles. Mm. It's going to be a greater than 90 degree angle. But then less than 90 degree back to the top of, of how tall I am. I'm about 5'9". So we're going to go by my height, I guess. Yeah. Well, we'll work on that for next week, and by then we'll, we'll maybe figure something out. What's more important, though, is wh- wh- what would you say, based on your, your results, what would you say an estimate of a normal amount of time to hold the door then? Because you're saying 7.9 is reasonable to not hold the door, right? 7.9 seconds. Yeah. What I might have to do tomorrow is go back and stand by the door until I see someone who might be approaching it. And, let them and then kind of time, like, by the time they enter my field of vision to when they get to the door, start timing that. Right. That might help. I think that'll help. Okay. Um, the door, though, it's a, it's a regular door, not a revolving door. <laughs> I want to talk about design, city planning design, because we have some exciting news from Smogville. That's true. And that is uh, Mayor Max Duck has held a press conference. I got to say, we've criticized him before, but this is a pretty good move. He has eliminated homelessness. That's true. 100% gone. 100% gone. Um, it's, it's interesting the way he's done it is basically they have passed a bill. No, 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 pun, in, no pun intended. No pun intended. Please do not make that pun. They've heard it. They're not amused. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they passed a bill uh, that basically all public spaces count as homes now. Right. And they're, they're really doing something revolutionary. Uh, Sean, have you ever heard of unpleasant design? Pleasant design. Unpleasant design. Un? Yeah. And yeah. The, well, the reason I bring that up, unpleasant design is, you know, you've ridden the bus and the seats are kind of uncomfortable. Maybe park benches are at weird angles or have weird armrests so you can't lay down on them. That's true, yeah. Spikes I, I on... Knew, I knew of it. I didn't know its, its name. Yeah, like spikes on curbs so you can't sit mm. down or can't rollerblade. No, we are going to revolutionize this with pleasant design. Pleasant design. We are removing all the razor blades from the park bench. That's right. Armrests. All, all the tripwire around the fountain. Mm-hmm. You can now wash your, your socks in it. Yeah. They're going to stop uh, playing Bee Gees music in, on every street corner. Right, which I'm against, but that's a whole different thing. Well, it was just a little too loud, and yeah. the treble was up all the way. <laughs> like, disco music Very with tin. the bass down and the treble yeah. up all the way is... Uh, it's unpleasant design. It, no, it, it's going it to be... Yeah, this is pleasant. Pleasant design. It's going to be just Louis Armstrong music now at yeah. a reasonable volume. And they got those Bose speakers on the, they, on yeah. the streetlights, too. Yeah. So it's a mu- richer, warmer sound. Yeah, so you are, welcome, you are welcome to make your home anywhere you, you please. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's a start. It's a start. It's, it's not, a, the, it's not well, the ideal it's also, solution, but it's hey. sort of the, a finish in a way because there's no more homeless. I guess it's not a start. I guess all. it's over now. It's done. Yeah. So it's the end. And that was his, cam- his campaign promiseness, what, promiseness, promiseness was it's yeah. time to end homeless. Oh, homeless was spelled H-O-M-E-L-I-S-E. Now that I think about homeless, it. Homeless, yes, though. That's what threw me off, Ooh. remember? All the signs said homeless, yes. Oh, we might be victims of some double talk. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we'll update you on that next week, too. All right. <laughs> Been any surprise parties lately? 
Uh, yeah. My, well, my own. Oh. And the, uh, so yeah. And other Sean's. And other. Sh- oh, actually, yeah, other Sean. I've been advised to to talk about other Sean's surprise party too. Yeah. They both one one week apart. They were both successful. Both Sean's were tricked. And it just got me thinking about just parties in general, surprise parties. Yeah. Where, kind of I, the ultimate gotcha journalism. It is gotcha journalism. And, and I have a theory that, that the original surprise party, I've, I've done no research at all, but I have a theory that the original surprise party was bad. It was when someone was killed, like tricked into going somewhere to be killed. And then that's how it became kind of a smaller parties, you know? Where so people maybe, are, are making fun of that fact. Maybe Julius Caesar's that was, that's the one Ides I, of March was the original surprise that, party? That's one I was thinking of. That, that was one of the first that popped into my mind is that was, you know, surprise, and here comes 30 knives. Yeah. So I don't know if that's true or not. I was not able to find any information on the history of the surprise party. Um, I was able to find in, some information on the history of just birthday parties, but it did come from a clickbait site. And I so didn't, I didn't it delve was 75 slides? You had to, you it was 75 slides, yeah. It was, well, each, it was candles. It was 75 candles. Well, what, what about a reverse, a reverse surprise party like Bilbo Baggins did in the beginning of The Hobbit? Uh, beginning of Fellowship of the Ring, you mean? Or, or the beginning of The Hobbit's adventure in, you, you cut me off. Oh, I'm sorry. You do, the, no, no, I'm, I'm mistaken. So you, wait. Go on. The beginning of the Hobbit's journey in yeah. Lord of the Rings' first book, Fellowship of the Ring. That's my, was my whole statement. Well, in the Hobbit, he had a surprise party where it was. Oh yeah, it wasn't. No, that was a surprise party. Yeah, where all the dwarves showed up and said, "Surprise! You're hosting a party for us." That was kind of like a double reverse surprise party because he was surprised, and the party wasn't even really for him. He, he was surprised into having to host a party. Wow, that is such a unique style of surprise party. I'm going to start doing that then. I'm going to walk into a party and yell, surprise, and then sit down and say, start bring, eating. bring me some food. No, you just start immediately eating. Just go into the fridge yeah. and then ask when the others are arriving. Wow, that, that's a, that is a hell of a surprise party. Yeah. yeah. Surprise the host. The old, you inverted that. Yeah, surprise, you're hosting a party now. But then, and then you look at Bilbo's... Uh, his surprise party is 11th. 11th at the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring. He makes himself go invisible, thus surprising all the guests. Mm-hmm. So even that is not a traditional surprise party. Yeah. It's usually the person, in, uh, the person of honor. You surprise the guest of honor when they arrive, not the guest of honor surprises you when they leave. <laughs> I like it, though. It's kind of, it's, it's kind yeah. of poetic if you put it that yeah. way. Yeah, I and mean, I've often been said I'm Tolkien-esque. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, I got, I got some questions about Lord of the Rings real quick. Okay. Before we talk Wait, about Wait, this, this is now two weeks in a row, so we have to name this segment. I, this is the, the thought I had today. Middle ground on Middle Earth. Okay. But my, but my vision was much more like a, a, a political news show where it's one side on the left, one side on the right. So middle ground about Middle Earth would be one of us is pro-Sauron and one of us is anti-Sauron. Or do I just have to disagree with whatever it is you say? Well, if you disagree with me and I'm pro-Hobbit, you're going to automatically be pro-Sauron, I think. okay. So I want to be on the Hobbit side if we start doing this political news show. Maybe we shouldn't make it a political news show then. I don't really feel like I know enough about Middle Earth politics to make it a political news show. <laughs> or, well, I thought you'd feel more uncomfortable having to defend Sauron in every one of his actions. Because he's done some bad stuff, dog. Yeah, I guess you. Could I guess now that I'm thinking about it, like 
trying to destroy <laughs> everything. Yeah, literally everything. Yeah, just awful, hateful. Yeah, you made you made Fangorn get all terrible. Yeah, I'm anti Sauron. When you were the necromancer, that mouth guy. His best friend is that mouth guy. That's creepy. Yeah. Oh yeah, he does have like a weird mouth, huh? He's got this giant creepy the witch mouth. King? No, guy? the mouth guy. Of Sauron's friend? Yeah, that's Sauron's only friend is the mouth guy. Does he have Oh, mouth? he's called he's literally called the mouth of Sauron. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. The mouth guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's like the mouth guy of Sauron, you know? Yeah. No, that's that's true. Anyway, so I was I was I've been re- rereading the the Lord of the Rings just to try to answer some questions. I talked a little bit about the ring and drugs. Yeah. And its effect. Yeah. And so I, so you you have more for our new most popular segment. Yeah, whatever we Middle can. Ground on Middle Earth. All right. Good, good job on that theme so, song. So to, to follow up on my question earlier of, of why Bilbo's no worse for wear, he is. He's a mess already. He, he almost pulls a knife on Gandalf when Gandalf wants the ring, which I didn't remember. Rereading it was crazy. Yeah. He would have done anything to keep that ring almost. Yeah. Gandalf had to make the room go all dark and turn into big, low-voiced Gandalf. Well, and like a classic addict, he even knew that he, he knew he had a problem. Because mm-hmm. he was going to leave the ring behind, and then he didn't. Do you know what I think the best touch of that whole scene is? Is is Bilbo? Do, you know, he's upset, doesn't want to leave the ring, and then finally agrees with Gandalf and says, "Yes, you're right. Here is the ring." Well, I gotta be going. And then he goes out the door, and, and Gandalf says, "You're forgetting to give me the ring." Yeah, like you took it with you. Yeah. Oh, did I? Yeah, and it's just such a nice, devious touch. Yeah. And it really does add that drug aspect to the Well, ring. yeah, not even devious, but, like, did he even, he's just... Oh, he knew. He knew. But it's, like, just automatic behavior. Like, yeah. oh, I'll leave the ring behind, and then just still puts it in his pocket, because that's mm-hmm. just what he's used to. Yeah, so it's... I, and, then I, and then the reading about when Frodo first touches the ring, it immediately has an effect on him, which I found, I totally forgot. I, I think... I think it's the scene where he asks Gandalf asks Frodo to throw the ring in the fire and Frodo can't do it. He like can't move his hand. Oh, I don't recall that. It's that, the first that time so that's Fro- strictly in the book because the movie doesn't do that. Yeah, it's the, the first time Frodo touches it, the first time the ring touches his skin, and and Gandalf asks him to do it, and he just he he's he doesn't want to throw it in the fire, and he almost can't even drop it. It's it's super weird. The one thing though about the drug thing is did they don't really get any pleasure from the ring, do they? Do they get... Like, there don't, don't seem to be any pros to I it. I know, I don't know. I'm not sure because... At least... Well, the, here's the problem, is the movies have, have so, blurred so much of my memory of, of the books. Yeah. So it's hard for me to know what's the movie and what's not because it just seems like when you put the ring on in the movies, it's an awful experience. A lot of the time for me, it's hard to know what's the movie and what's not. Right. That's also a drug thing. (laughs) That's true. There's a lot of levels to the drug uh, metaphor. Sometimes I'm just like, is this Lord of the Rings? (laughs) (laughs) Or am I timing how long it takes to walk down some stairs again? Yeah. It feels that way sometimes. No, so I just, it's, it's it's a heavy duty deal the ring really is that big a deal so that got me thinking about the 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 uh 
the trip itself to Mount Doom. You know, I'm thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. They were just about to leave on this journey. And I started wondering who out of the fellowship would have the most annoying Instagram to follow. Because we talked about going from the Shire to Mount Doom was six months. Yeah. So, you, so this made me think, this is like following one of your friends that goes up like the Pacific Crest Trail, you know, or something like that, where they're going to be going up for a couple months and you can follow them uh, and see their, their progress. Yeah. And so, you, so let's pretend you're Elrond, I guess. Like who would be friends with everyone in the fellowship? Maybe Soruman. Soruman would do it to keep his eye on him. Right. So, that, so let's just say. But he'd have like Soruman, uh, his profile picture would be like a hot babe. You think so? Yeah. So well, because he can't follow them as Soromon because they. Oh, at this so, point, you, so you think it's Saruman with a, a sneaky account? Yeah. So he's trying to keep their eye on him by having an account that where their description is like too horny for you. Yeah, it's, Visit my website at tggs.ru. Dot Middle Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would. It'll be like it'd be something like sexy elf maiden sixty nine yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So okay. So let's just go with that then. Yeah. Soromon. But then someone, so Elrond is, is obviously just friends with all of them out of obligation. And... Yeah, he just wouldn't, he wouldn't have seen anyone's journey from the Shire to his house. Yeah. Except for Gandalf. Yeah, he was already following Gandalf. Maybe. And then, and then after the, the council of Elrond, then they started showing yeah. up and his people you may know. Like that night, they all got, they got done with a big council on the ring. They all go back to their little hotel rooms in the, in the Elf Castle and they all get on Facebook, and they're like, oh, okay. And Arwen's like, oh, you know, I don't really do Facebook, but I'll follow you on Instagram. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, El- a bunch of friend requests. Yeah, and it's like, oh, it's like, oh, Gimli. How do I know him? Oh, son of Glowin. Yeah. I know Glowin. <laughs> right. Our mutual, we have one mutual friend, Glowin. One mutual friend, Glowin. Is it Glowin? Glowin? Glowin. Glowin. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so who, you're following the Fellowship. Who is going to be the best person to follow? Who's going to be posting too much? Okay. And who is going to be annoying? The easiest one is the, the one that just posts nonstop selfies is obviously Legolas. Okay. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. I think so. Selfies, a little bit of scenery in the background. I mean, he's, not only is he, you know, he's this uh, beautiful person, but right. he's a prince, right? And it, or a lordling or something. I mean, he grew up yeah. the son of a, of a of a king, or he's well known. Yeah, is he? Is he one of the? He's not one of the Wood Elves, though. Yeah, he's the Wood Elf. He's the son of the Wood Elf leader from 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 the Hobbit. From the Hobbit, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a big deal, then, man. Yeah. So he probably already has a really big following. He's right. pro- he probably tries to give tips on your hashtags and stuff. Like, yeah. And he says what kind of tea he likes or what kind of like meal service that gets mailed to you, elf food mailed yeah. to you. Yeah, it's just one out of he every five it. posts. He's like, he's like, oh, just trekking to Mount Doom takes a lot out of you. <laughs> so I'm just going to stop for some hashtag Lembus bread right. at Lembus bread. Okay. The thing I love about it is you can get it by going to laurenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenthlorenth
I think Samwise is the one who's like an amateur photographer. He's he's trying to do National Geographic stuff. He's taking pictures of the wildlife and the trees yeah. and the scenery and stuff. Him having a background as a gardener. Yeah. He's going to definitely have a lot of flowers, I think, on mm-hmm. the side of the road. Maybe some sunsets. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It didn't He does a lot of the cooking, right? Something, yeah, he's he's got a pan on his backpack and something that's really interesting about the difference between the books and the movies is that that basically Frodo, Mary and Pippin are like Downton Abbey people. And, yeah. S- and Sam is is a, is the is like Frodo's butler. He's like the valet. No, he's uh the who's the Downton Abbey guy? It, Mr. Uh, Bates. Yeah, Mr. Bates. And yeah. so in the movies they really play up that they're best friends or something. Yeah. But when you're reading the book, it's pretty clear that Sam is like after after they sleep on the side of the road, Frodo gets up and asks Sam if his his uh, bathwater's ready. Yeah, and I can't tell if it's a joke or not. No, no, book. Sam, no, that's how it was intended. Was this old English like valet right. lieutenant situation? So that would that makes me think that Sam did is actually doing most of the cooking. At least he's got to be. Yeah, at least pre uh, Elrond's house. Yeah, maybe afterwards the fellowship's broken up more into. I don't. I don't know how they they plant did their meals in, in Fellowship of the Ring. I'm not there yet in the book, at least. Yeah, but I imagine from the Shire all the way. Does Elrond live in Rivendell, right? Yeah, Riverdale. All, Riverdale, mm-hmm. all the way from there to Riverdale. Yeah, um, that's our Archie joke. We know what it's called. So, okay, so here's the difference: Sam and Pippin both post a lot of food pics. Okay. The difference is Sam is posting like the pot and like, oh, just whipping up some mm-hmm. potato stew with <laughs> farm to table basil that I picked fresh from Farmer Worm's garden or Farmer yeah. Maggot's garden. Mm-hmm. And then Pippin is posting the food pick and it just says, yum. Right. Yeah, totally. And, it, and his is more plated and maybe has a tree in the background or yeah. something or a waterfall. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. What about uh? What do you think Gandalf's feed is like? Gandalf is. I just. I just thought of this. He's posting pictures of himself against a black background with an inspirational quote of himself. Of his own. Yeah. So he's po- He's got you know one hundred and ten thousand likes from the many who died deserve death. Mm-hmm. When he said that to Frodo, he was just reading it off his own Instagram feed. Hashtag yeah. Yeah. Hashtag work Monday inspiration. <laughs> Not- Hashtag Monday motivation. Not all those who wander are lost. Yeah. Hashtag Gandalf. Written yeah. in like this nice script. Yeah. Gandalf. We're further. And then. So lots of. How black... do you do that, Mr. Gandalf? <laughs> There's actually an app called Words of Gandalf. You can download for the $1.99. You can get the, the script for. So, th- so that means that all of these selfies Gandalf is taking are black and white, most of them, right? And he's looking off in the distance or thinking yeah. or smoking his pipe like he's an, a writer or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's monetizing. He- he's smart. Both Legolas yeah. and Gandalf are monetizing. They're both monetizing it because they're the ones account. who have they're been alive money. the longest. That's true. Yeah. They're smart. They're savvy. Yeah. What's, what, is, what about Frodo? Yeah, Frodo's a tough one. I kind of picture him not posting very often. I don't think he does. Yeah, he's got a lot on his mind. He's not really interested in in the validation. It seems like he keeps to himself for the yeah. most part, even before this horrific journey. Yeah. Like he just kind of seems laid back and kind of mellow. Yeah, I feel like he's got 17 pol- followers, three posts. You know, he tried it out. He'll he'll try it out now and then and 
then he'll kind of forget that he even has a smartphone. So what? So let's see the big events on the way. I'll bet Weathertop has a whole bunch of photos. Would that just be the ring race coming at him? Like <laughs> that's where Mary's getting his. He's doing. Yeah, that's what Mary. He's Ma- like Snapchatting these ring races coming at him with knives. Yeah, yeah. That's so. That's Mary's big thing. Is Mary's like really doing the live blocking of all the horrific shit that yeah. happens? Facebook Live. Yeah. <laughs> He's running and hiding behind statues. Yeah, when you click on it, those whatever those video things are on the top, it's yeah. just it's just running. Yeah, it's just that he forgot to t- hit stop and he's just running. <laughs> Ring race and I like that. Yeah, regular wraiths. Don't they in the book? Don't they find some regular wraiths? Oh yeah, they they find the some draugers or whatever they are, like skeletons that yeah. are walking around. There's a really weird section. I'm just getting getting to it where they find. These these mounds f- full of swords. And, that's and, where they get their swords at right. first. Yeah, and, and then there's the the like I think they're whites maybe. Oh, that's it. Yeah, they I couldn't think of the, the term. Book. Whites. It's yeah. basically a zombie. Yeah, and and then the whole Tom Bombadil thing. Like oh, no, it's been so so long since I've read that. Don't talk about Tom Bombadil. It's know, too weird. It's it sounds like he worked on these books like crazy. I don't understand why he why he kept that in. Like, there was a yeah. lot of revisions and things. I was l- listening to this this talk today about The Hobbit, about how after Lord of the Rings came out, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien revised the riddles in the dark scene in The Hobbit to make... Get, oh, yeah. Uh, just to make... Uh, I think it was to make Bilbo not kill Gollum and then change a few things to make Gollum a, a little bit... I don't know. It's, he did something. So if you're, you're doing that to The Hobbit, why are you leaving Tom Bombadil in? Yeah. Well, Maybe. we have George Lucas with like a word. <laughs> that's uh, that's true. So Aragorn is going to be posting really flattering pictures of himself that other people have taken. Yeah. So he's not going to post a selfie, cause, but he is, you know, I, I he's going to have his hood on and be pensive and sharpening his sword or something. And he's he's using his account to pick up women. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Solely. Yeah. And he might even be saying like, like Legolas. <laughs> What do your elf eyes see? And then Legolas is like, well, I don't think we're being followed. No, I mean, I look really cool in this hood sitting by the fire. <laughs> He's like, no, no, take a photo. So, so you're saying Aragorn would have shirtless photos then. He would be like like Putin riding a horse. Yeah, and then would, he'd be would, like, let me see it. Oh, no, oh no, no, take another. Do one more. Do one more. Okay, will you send that to me? And then later, after you know, when they're bedding down for the night, he's like, hey, I, never, I didn't get the... And get the photo. Oh, oh yeah, we, I'll, we I'll send, send it. I'll send it right now. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I feel like Frodo likes everybody's pictures, though. He's one. Of, he just likes every liker. every single one of them. Definitely. Um, well, what's Mary. Gimli doing then? Gimli is post. You've seen guys on social media where they're like gun enthusiasts, and they're always posting oh, like their yes, their gun collection yes. stuff. So, so it's just axes. So it's his axe. Him and him, him with axes. Him sharpening the axe. Him cutting a tree down. Out on the axe range. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty spot on. Yeah. Bor- Bor- oh, Boromir. Boromir. That's a that's kind of the forgotten one too. Because whenever you're whenever you're trying to name the fellowship, and then you're always like, "Oh yeah, and Boromir." I'm gonna say that Boromir doesn't post a lot. He, when he does, they're like pretty mundane things, like a sunset, but not a very impressive one, or like a landscape, but not nothing really striking about it. Yeah, like he's not that good at taking photos, and but what he's mainly doing is just liking like elf maiden pages. Oh yeah, so, and he's, he's, when you look at he's, he's following commenting. like like seventeen hundred accounts. Yeah, and he he's going to like like uh, 
what's her name? The, the elf, elf. Ar- Arwen or, or yeah. Kate from Lost. Yeah. He, Galadriel. But he, he's going to Galadriel's page and his comment is like, oh, that crown looks so good. That crown. And like, his, he's like the, the type of guy that he's blocked by a lot of elf maidens. <laughs> or is, oh, that a, is that unfair? Post, post that one in that flowy green dress right. again. Yeah. Um, now, here, how, how self-aware are these characters? Has, has a last action hero thing happened to the Fellowship? Is it possible that Boromir is aware of that meme where he's saying one does not simply walk into blank? <laughs> wow. So are you saying so it's almost like he says it because the meme already exists? Uh, yeah, maybe. Is it one of those bootstrap well, that's only, paradox that, that, that's things? A, that's an alternate version where the Lord of the Rings universe has been last action heroed. Do you know what I was saying? So your, your thing is right of commenting on the babes. Yes, there, there's got to be... He, he liked a photo of himself, uh, Boromir, saying one does not simply yeah. walk into Mordor. <laughs> and then he actually said it because he's like, oh, that's, that's, the, that's exactly what I'm thinking, but I didn't know how to phrase it. Yeah. So he's like, okay, I'm just going to say that. And then things get really weird when they're trying to pat, go through the pass of Khazad-dûn mm-hmm. and they're covered in snow. And Boromir keeps saying, I warned you about this. I warned you about this. And they're like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I told you. I told you winter was coming. No, you didn't, Boromir. You're <laughs> losing it. The ring is making you lose your mind. <laughs> yeah. God, what if that's the same character? I am known in the other tongue by yeah. as whatever. What's his name? Ned. Ned. Call me Ned. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's not. A, I was thinking it's going to be a more exotic name, more fantasy name. And like not Ned. Ned. <laughs> Seth, Ned, and Seth, and Joey, and yeah. <laughs> Frank, Frankie, the the wizard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's more what I'm thinking. Is that unfair? Because I'm sort of a Faramir fan, and the fact that that uh, their dad, Denna, is it Denethor? Denethor. The fact he's such a lunatic in the movie, which is like, I have no memory of the book version of him, but the movie is such a dick. I was thinking maybe I'm I'm just being hard on Boromir's Instagram account because I, I just assume he must be a douche. Yeah, I haven't read the books in about 15 years, so... I'll let you know. So it might it'll be interesting, because I'd have a whole new perspective on them. Right. Last time I read them, I was only 24. <laughs> what did I know about anything? I was just an innocent babe. Did Denethor go mad because of he was talking to Sauron through his marvel? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I was going to actually ask you about that myself. But at least the movie version, something's not working right. Is there, in this universe of Middle Earth, is there anyone who's just a jerk? Or is everyone really nice unless they start messing around with technology? And by technology, I mean marvels that let you talk to to Sauron. Is anyone a jerk? And is anyone just a dick just because they're a dick? Or is it like... No, they were corrupted by this magic amulet they found. Well, sounds like all the orcs are dicks. And but all, yeah, but they, but that's they all, were also they corrupted were, by magic. They were made. They were made by magic, right? Yeah. Is that the same with goblins? I guess. And yeah. trolls, they're all made. I'm right? not really clear on the difference between goblins and orcs in this. Goblins are the they live underground in the caves. In The Hobbit. Is that the difference? Yeah. The, okay. or, the orcs run around in fields. They just run a lot. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're as big as men. And the goblins are a little bit smaller, I think. And they're, they're underground, subterranean. Oh. Okay. Well, I, okay, good. They, might, they maybe can't go on the light. 
the way some trolls can't. But I'm not sure about that. Oh, because that was the whole thing with the Urakai is that they can go in the light and mm-hmm. the regular orcs couldn't. Or at least the goblins. I don't know if the regular or the Urakai are just the ones made by Saruman, right? Yeah. I think the I think orcs can go in the light then too. Just I don't know. I thought his were I thought Urakai were just like on steroids. And extra badass. Well, then remember they're like in placentas in the dirt. Well, they change, and they're they, like red and big. They might have changed that for for the books. It's a lot. It's all, there's, all, there's a whole different thing I don't want to go into. Yeah. Well, we'll do more research for next time, and maybe maybe what are your suggestions on Boromir? Boromir, controversial Instagrammer. <laughs> is he? Who is, is, he a who creep? is he? Is yeah. he a creep or is he misunderstood and just a fun loving guy? Yeah. Is he tindering? I guess we'll do their Tinder profiles next week. Right. So who'd be worse, though? Who'd be the worst person to follow? Who'd be the most annoying of all of them? I think Legolas, unless you're one of his fans. Because he's obviously got thousands, maybe millions of fans who love it. They eat everything up. And he probably posts the most. I think if you're Merry and Pippin and Frodo, you're kind of sharing looks, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're walking across the mountains and and you see him taking a selfie, you're kind of like... What would be the best photo opportunity of Fellowship of the Ring? If you're posting, uh, it would have a great to be photo. somewhere in Lothlorien. Yeah, Lothlorien was the, the most beautiful place, but that was after Gandalf died, so they probably weren't in any mood. Yeah, to really take it. Probably in. not a lot of photos. Well, I, I wonder. There'd be. I was. I was thinking towards the end of the journey, Sam and Frodo might have the coolest stuff because they would have. They would have uh, Minas Morgul. They would have Mount Doom itself. That'd be like that photographer that rode a motorcycle into the... uh, Chernobyl. uh Uh-huh, yeah, Yeah. the Chernobyl. Or like someone who sneaks into North Korea and takes lots of of photos. Pictures of Mordor would be pretty crazy. They'd make it on a BuzzFeed with that. Yeah. Tell you what. So the most satisfying to follow would probably be one of them. Yeah. Because you're you're going to maybe see Shelob's lair, see some spider, giant spider. Yeah, stuff you'll never have any opportunity to see, really. Mm -hmm. I still, I think my favorite thing that we solved, though, is that all of Mary's are poorly framed, out of focus pictures (laughs) of peril and monsters and Balrogs. Videos of, (laughs) you you can't see anything, you can just hear you screaming and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of birthday parties, up until Middle Ground on Middle Earth, this was our most popular segment. Mysteries of the Mysterious. I want to talk about a really bad birthday party. All right. Um, so do I. Yeah. You've heard of Thomas Ince, of course. Uh-huh. No. No. Probably I, not. I, was try- I wanted you to like me. I was trying to be cool. He's known as the father of the Western. He's a movie producer who made 800 films. Oh, wow. Because this is back in, like, 1900-whatever, when you were probably making four films at once on the mm-hmm. same set. Making silent films, like, all right, have the cowboys charge across the field. And then you turn around, and you're like, pirates, get that boat. Yeah, I think, and I think a lot of those silent films are only 15 minutes long, right? Well, unless it's a five-reeler. <laughs> he may have made the first five-reeler. Super rich and famous mogul. He's now um, best known for his really lousy birthday party. Really? Um, yeah. So he, he was an actor in New York, a failed actor, went west to Hollywood, and just... Well, because back then you could just go to Hollywood and be like, 
how about I make a movie studio here? Yeah. So he had this um, this giant ranch uh, movie studio thing called Intsville. <laughs> he must must have taken inspiration from Phineas P. Smog. Yeah, I know. It's, it just rolls off the tongue. We'll call it Intsville. Four hundred and sixty acre track of tract of land on Sunset Boulevard and the Pacific Coast Highway in the Santa Monica Mountains, which is currently the location of the Self Realization Fellowship Lake Shrine. Wow, which one of those fellowships is the worst to follow? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's like some yoga stuff. Oh, sweet. I guess. <clears throat> Sounds a bit culty based on the name. It does have a little bit of a... You throw fellowship in there, it gets way more serious. Yeah, now I don't want to make any accusations having not even done at the slightest bit of research. It sounds like some desirable land, and it's nice that in 1912 or 1908, you can just go get it. Because mm-hmm. that's it's crazy that only a hundred years ago California was still well, I, I picture largely it, uncivilized. Well, I picture it just being like that. Unsettled, maybe is the right term. Well, it's it's like Hollywood's not the Hollywood, the glitz and glamour that people normally picture. This is more like that HBO cowboy show. What is that? Westworld. Not Westworld. The old one. Deadwood. Deadwood. Yeah. So I'm picturing Deadwood. Yeah. Like when, you, when you're saying like Hollywood. Yeah. Like you're they're they're walking through mud. There's horses everywhere. You, you, there's people getting shot and murdered, and, and then everyone just continues with their business. So he gets, he gets his studio, Bison Ranch, and then just a couple years later, he has enough money to get um, 18,000 acres, which is seven and a half miles of land. Wow. That went, goes from Santa Monica to Malibu. Now, I don't know a lot about Southern California, but I know that those places are where all the rich people live now. Yes. This land is probably worth a lot more than it used to be. Yeah, eventually uh, Universe Studios was built there. Um, so he's just like the, the biggest deal in, he in, sounds like in a big the deal. world. Um, but his friend is the other biggest deal in the world at the time. Speaking of Deadwood, William Randolph Hearst. Oh. I believe Deadwood was George Hearst, his father. Okay. William Randolph Hearst, the... Uh, Allegedly, the inspiration for Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. though Orson Welles would never admit it, or maybe he did. I don't know. Did he? Did he admit it on his deathbed and then drop a globe? Well, I think with uh, a picture it, of <laughs> William Randolph Hearst in it. Yeah, and he Hearst. went Innsville. Innsville <laughs> could happen. Um, so they're buddies. No, and... when he died, a, a bottle of of wine rolled out of his hand, huh? Ah, or maybe like an, a half-eaten salami. Just a bunch of peas scattered everywhere. Frozen peas on the floor rolling around like marbles. Orson dead in his bed. And for some reason narrating his own death in a very poor approximation of what he sounds like. What's that? that? My impressions are not good tonight. Let's just establish that. Before you write in. Yeah. Well, What's that audio recording? Is it you? You played it for me where Orson Welles is critiquing the copy that he's supposed to read? Yeah, for, f- like, fish sticks. It's I don't remember great. if it's fish sticks or peas. Yeah, yeah. something like that. And, and he's, he's, like, he, mad at the script. The grammar's all incorrect. Yeah. And I, I loved it. And then he does his take, and, and he's like, well, when I'm in the mood for frozen fish sticks, <laughs> <laughs> when my oven's been preheated to 350 degrees and I have a sheet of tinfoil... <laughs> I reach for Gordon's frozen fish sticks. Uh, oh, what? Oh, I'm not reaching. How do I? How do I reach for them? <laughs> Why would I be reaching when I just want fish sticks? This is. Oh yes, yeah, stand. Say there behind your glass. 
Oh man, he's the best. He, half of our our opening music is Orson Welles quote. Ah. <laughs> so after the show. No, you don't really mean every July. But that's a that's bad copy. It's in July. Of course, it's every July. There's too much directing around here. Norway, fish fingers, no Findus, Norway. We know a certain fjord in Norway, near where the cod gather in great shoals. There, Janste Stangeland. Shit. Because it's full of, of, of things that are only correct because they're grammatical, but they're tough on the ear. You see, this is a very wearying one. It's unpleasant to read. Unrewarding. Because Findus freeze the cod at sea and then add a crumb crisp crumb crisp coating. We know a little place in the American far west where Charlie Briggs chops up the finest prairie fed beef and tastes this is a lot of shit, you know that. Well, you do this. It's impossible. Orson, you did six last year, and by far and away the best, and I know the, the reason. The right reading for this is the one I'm giving it. At the moment. I spent 20 times more for you people than any other commercial I've ever made. You are such pests. Now, what is it you want? No, I think... In your depths of your ignorance, what is it you want? Whatever it is you want, I can't deliver because I just don't see it. That was absolutely fine. It really was. You, you, it isn't worth it. No money is worth it. He doesn't do anything. Oh, Orson Welles. Fat Orson Welles is the best. It is the best, Dad. Can you imagine that you, you're to the point where you don't give a shit so much that you're supposed to show up to film something for television and you just come shit can? Yeah. Just hammered. And that's the amazing thing. Boy Wonder. He makes Citizen Kane at 25. Right. Which, uh, 80 years later, is considered at least one of the top five film achievements of all time. And then he but just... because of, of how it was based on Hearst, Hearst destroyed him, according to one legend. Really? Yeah. So that's why he ended up, he had all these projects and never got off the ground and ended up a drunk in a cheap champagne commercial. Oh, jeez. Ah. Champagne. Well, he shouldn't have messed with the Illuminati. They destroyed Orson Welles. Yeah. An idea that we've toyed with that we'll never actually do is to do an episode of the podcast completely drunk. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a funny thing to think about that would just be unlistenable. It would be annoying, I think. It would be really annoying. Um, but anyway, we, we digress. Because there was someone in, I, in film school who made a movie that was just a, a guy smoking a blunt. And, that, <laughs> and like he thought it was like, not like subversive and edgy and really smart. <laughs> and it was like, well, you're really was, not saying anything. It was this watching really a guy boring. smoke a cig- cigarette, basically. Yeah. It'd be like looking out your window and watching someone in the front of an office smoke, smoke something. Yeah. Now I could see that like maybe the French New Wave could pull that off. Mm-hmm. But the thing was like, it's, it's a blunt, man. What was the, the person smoking the blunt also the director? I just, all I remember is he was wearing overalls. I thought that was weird. <laughs> like like little, bib overalls, like, like a, a farmer, like a little kid. Yeah, like Oshkosh Bagosh, <laughs> smoking a blunt. Oh, yeah, on a porch. Maybe that. Maybe there was more to it than you realized. You got to revisit it. Watch it's it. True. Again. I was young. I was young then. Go get the Criterion know. Collection DVD from your shelf and give it another spin. Yeah. Well, why do that when I can subscribe to Hulu? <laughs> That's right, guys. Hulu. You get a one week free trial. 
Just trying to do ads so I'm ready when we get ads. I don't know. I, I was pausing to think, is this a joke or are we actually doing an ad? But then, <laughs> are we actually sponsored by Hulu? So, so We're not if, affiliated with Hulu. If you make a long joke about doing ads, you're actually doing the same effect on a listener of an ad minus getting any money. So you're annoying them the same as you would be if it was a real ad, but you're not getting any money. Yeah, it's a reverse surprise party. So don't do a long joke about ads because that's actually the most self-destructive thing a podcaster can do. Yeah, Podcast 101, folks. Right. You tune in for so many things, and part of it is tips on your own podcast. <laughs> That's why we're the world champion, and you're the uh, intercontinental champion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Hurst says, Ince, it's your birthday. Why don't you get on my boat to celebrate? We're going to sail from San Pedro to San Diego. We're going to have a great party. Nice. On that boat, the boat is called the Orida. No, I'm just kidding. It's called the Oneida, but I want it to be called the Orida. Oh, oh, be a tater top boat. Okay. No, you're thinking of oh, 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 O'Reilly. The O'Reilly. Which, frankly, when I need auto parts. Right. Oh, wait. There you go. <laughs> All the annoyance, none of the money. So uh, the guests on this boat are Hearst's mistress, Marion Davies, Charlie Chaplin. Oh, wow. Uh, Eleanor Glynn, uh, film actresses Eileen Pringle, heir to the Potato Fortune. Uh, the, that's why they, the boat was called Orida. Just kidding. I don't know if she's affiliated with Pringles. Jacqueline Logan, Cena Owen, Margaret Livingston, and Julianne Johnson. These are all young Hollywood starlets. Uh, choreographer and ballet dancer Theodore Kozloff, and a mysterious fellow called Dr. Goodman. And it seems like <laughs> in a lot of these stories, there's always someone just named like Dr. something. That's the guy with the drugs. Yeah, that's the guy who's injecting the morphine into them, that's right? The, the drug, drug. He probably also, when you're rich, you probably have him also carry it. He probably does everything. He has probably a briefcase. He probably is a doctor, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, no, he was, he was uh, Hearst's film production manager, Dr. Goodman was. <laughs> uh, so they're celebrating Insa's birthday and also... Um, that there's like a partnership between Hearst Production Company and Ince's studio. Mm -hmm. So here's where things are already starting to get weird, is that Ince is late for his own party, so the boat leaves without him. So this is a surprise party in its own way also. Yeah, surprise, the boat left. So he got there and and it was just a dock. So he's the guest of honor. And they just, nope, can't wait any longer. We can't wait. We've got to go. And maybe that has something to do with tides. I don't know. I was going to say, like, what's the hurry exactly? Yeah, I thought if you had a private yacht, you could just yacht around whenever you want. It has to have something to do with tides. Yeah, or a, st- or a storm just... coming or a shark or, attack. Or, of... So this is, uh, this is 1924. So maybe that was just a social graces thing. When, but the guest maybe it was of just honor? if you're late for the boat, the boat leaves. The guest of honor, though? That's see... well, okay. I'll just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> so he takes the train to San Diego and then gets on the boat when it's already docked. That does not sound very fun. Yeah, I've never understood why you'd want to be on a boat unless the boat was boating. Going. Oh, Going. So, so by the time he got there, the, the, they're planning on just staying there. In the, the boat's boat. docked, and then they're like, okay, let's have our boat party now. Uh, yeah. In the San Diego Harbor. Later that night, he suffers an acute bout of indigestion, is taken off the boat, rushed to a hotel somewhere, rushed to a hospital, and dies later the next day. Oh. Um, he is, doesn't have an autopsy. He's cremated very quickly. So he died from uh, officially heart failure caused by indigestion. <laughs> but this, what this mystery... This, uh, something sounds a little fishy about well, this. Well, yeah. So what this mystery presupposes is maybe he didn't. 
Aha. So the next day, the LA Times runs a headline mm-hmm. on their morning edition. Actually, it might not be the LA Times. It's an LA newspaper saying, movie mogul shot dead on boat. <laughs> and then by the afternoon edition, they updated it to be like, indigestion kills man or wow. something like that. Was that a, just a complete lie? Um, Why would, because, I mean, you got to typeset that stuff. Yeah. It, it, I mean, that's the thing. It, fake, it may very well news? have been just a fake news. Fake yeah. news? Right. Fake news is not a new concept by any means. Wow. So it may have been fake news, or it may have been that Hearst, who, what is he famous for? Owning a million publications. Uh-huh. Put the kibosh on that one. There we go. Um, a fella named Toreichi Kono. Mm-hmm. He is the Samwise to Charlie Chaplin's Frodo. He reported that he saw Ince when he came ashore by a stretcher and then told his wife that his head was bleeding from a bullet wound. Kono uh, is a Japanese-American, and at the time, a lot of the labor force in Los Angeles was Japanese. So through the Japanese domestic workers, mm-hmm. word spread that Ince was shot. And then the domestic workers are all the like servants and butlers uh-huh. and valets of the rich people. So word is quickly spreading that he was, in fact, shot in the head. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, um, Todaichi Kono is a fascinating man. He worked for Charlie Chaplin for 18 years. And what do you mean by he's Sam? He, he lit- he's his he valet. Literally... He's Chaplin's valet. Oh, you just said that. That's his, right. his driver, his valet, his butler, the okay. gatekeeper. Like, there's No one knew anything about him until about 10 years ago when his letters were released. And, and basically, you have, if you want to reach Chaplin, you write to him. And you're like, hey, will you tell Charlie that we need this? Oh, wow. Um, in Charlie's autobiography, he mentioned him by name only once and treated him as insignificant. But he also didn't even mention his second wife at all in his autobiography. So that's not, doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you think his second wife bought the, the book? And it's like, can't, Can it's, you your, it's your life story. You can't, can't throw me in there. Well, she probably was like, "Well, he was a bastard, but, but I mean, let's just see what how he how he remembers me, yeah. what, what he thinks of me." Yeah. Kono um, knew that Chaplin was really big in Japan and convinced Charlie Chaplin to go to Japan a bunch of times, and then Charlie Chaplin became fascinated with Japanese culture. In Japan, Charlie Chaplin was known as Professor Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay. Um, why, why was he called that? Because was he a huge drinker? It's a mis- mistranslation of something, yeah, I guess. Lost in translation. Find the little tramp. It's a silent film. Maybe it's oh, not translated. Yeah. You can't read him, so okay. you just see this guy bobbing around. Yeah, Professor Alcohol. He's wearing a tie. That's for sure the translation <laughs> yeah. to the little tramp. Professor Alcohol. Um, they, and that's a pretty good description of what he looks like in the movie. Yeah, he's Professor Alcohol. I like it. It's weird how much, when you see him in his day wear how much he doesn't look anything like Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. And I guess he looks exactly like Charlie Chaplin because he was. Right. But he doesn't really look like that iconic look you know of. Um, so after 18 years of being his, his faithful servant, Kono was like, look, your latest wife is just spending too much of your money. And Chaplin said, I disagree, sir. And they never spoke again. That, that was it? Yeah. Um, Sounds like there's a conspiracy behind It may have been a big fight, too. yeah. yeah. This, and this is a digression, but it's so interesting. Kono was arrested later um, as 
This is the 1930s. As tensions are building between the U.S. and Japan, Mm -hmm. he met with a group of Japanese naval officers to discuss the deployment of the U.S. Navy. Really? Yeah, and you might remember something that happened later relating to that. Jeez. Um, They couldn't really pin anything on him, so they just tried to deport him, and they couldn't even deport him. So he moved back to his hometown of Hiroshima. This was after the bombing, though. So he went back to Hiroshima after the bombing, uh, in the 60s, Charlie Chaplin went to the Memorial Garden mm-hmm. to like lay a wreath down or something just to visit it because he liked Japanese culture. And Kono lived in an apartment overlooking that, but the two didn't bother to say hello. No way. Yeah. There's something more to this story, too. I could, this, has, this is a secret story that no one will ever know the truth. Yeah. Know? It's one of those things. Well, the, the, yeah, I read an article where it was, someone was basically doing research on him because nothing was known about him until just recently that all these letters were released. And it's like, whoa, this is a really interesting guy. Yeah. So we'll, we'll dig into that. So here's the story, then. In, so Kono says he saw Ince bleeding from the head. Uh, he was so, cremated. So there was no autopsy. A, a, a hole in the head? Like, because like, you could bleed from the head from bumping your head from a fall, you know? So how is it worded? Is there Hearst, a- Hearst may have believed that Chaplin and his mistress Marion Davies were having an affair. Okay. So, one story is that Hearst observed Chaplin and Davies talking on this yacht. Mm -hmm. Charlie was so upset by this conversation, he went to bed, but forgot his hat. Hearst, seeing them talking, goes and gets his famous, uh, like, diamond-handled revolver. Uh Uh-huh. Meanwhile, poor Thomas Ince comes comes walking by. Oh, hi, Marion. Oh, look, Charlie left his hat and puts his hat on. Oh, my God. And then Hurst comes back and goes, like, you son of a bitch. And thinks, thinking he's Charlie Chaplin, shoots him dead. This is like a, a, some pulp mystery book. Right. So it, was, so it may have been that. The other theory is just that he was trying to shoot at Charlie and missed and hit Thomas Ains. But both theories revolve around him trying to kill Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, basically that's the, that's the mystery. Is officially it was... Heart failure caused by indigestion, but that that Kono says he saw him bleeding, and then the word spread, and then the newspaper reports, and and all that. So was he shot? Um, then there's some is, other weird there, stuff wait, where, like, is there is there any theory that that he was shot just on purpose? Uh, no, that doesn't really come into it. It's mainly that we were trying to kill the biggest movie star in the world. This really was a terrible birthday party. Yeah, trying. To, it's basically, Hearst is like, that's the woman I'm cheating on my wife with. She might be cheating on me with the biggest movie star in the world. I'm going to shoot him in the head in front of 20, on a boat with like 20 other people. Yeah, not, not well thought out. Um, Maybe his plan was to kill everyone on the boat. Well, maybe not, because he would have done No, uh, the, uh, the theory, the conspiracy theory is that he bought them off. Um, so, like, one of the actresses on the boat, Livingston, uh, inexplicably, quote, inexplicably, her salary went from $300 a film to $1,000 a film. Uh, Marion Davies got a bunch of film starring roles. Eventually, she had to star in a comedy. Um, How is this not a movie? Uh, and then, oh, it is. It's called The Cat's Meow. It oh. is a movie. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I know. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to uh, watch this. Eddie Izzard plays Charlie Chaplin. The oh. dad from Gilmore Girls plays Hearst. Oh, okay. Um, Carrie Elwes plays Ince and what's her name? Kirsten Dunst 
is Marion Davies. Oh, good. Yeah, so that's good news. So I don't know what the movie concludes. Um, there's really no conclusion to what happened. I mean, if it, I mean, I guess the the one conclusion you could make is that what the doctor signed off on is true. Mm-hmm. Um, he did have an open casket funeral, but hey, Hollywood. <laughs> that's like I, I read Hollywood I, magic. Yeah, I can't I can't cite my. I read like tons of shit about this on the internet. So you know, again, I'm not. I'm just kind of recycling stuff I read from other blogs. But that was what one of them said was. But who knows in Hollywood? If okay, and then the wife, Ince's wife, was like. Do you really think I'd let someone shoot my husband and not make a bigger deal out of it? That's a good counterpoint. That really is. Well, and then the counter counterpoint is, but Hearst was rich. She got bought off. She never worked again. Oh, and then there was someone else on the Could boat. Could you be? Yeah, I mean. There was someone on the boat who was a writer and then, like, immediately got a job at, like, a really high-paying job at one of Hearst's papers until, like, until she died. I, I'm, I, hope I, have, I hope there's more good in humanity than that. I hope if someone murdered you know, this woman's husband that, and then just offered money, you wouldn't immediately be like, oh, I mean, that's money, the thing. That's huh? the biggest thing with conspiracy theories is you have to presuppose that anywhere from 20 to 10,000 people are all in on it right. and none of them are willing to talk because either they're afraid or they were paid off or whatever. Right. Just people, people are not. I got a big mouth. I think even if someone did pay me off, mm-hmm. that I still make would just let it slip. Right, just and that that out. would happen like crazy too. Yeah, these are all drinkers. Oh, that's that's one of the um, thoughts about the cover up. Is this was prohibition, uh, and and so so it's like not jail. only do we want to cover it up because we're we've all been drinking. Yeah, and then the a counter counter theory is no one got shot. But there's still like some sort of cloak and dagger stuff just to cover up the booze. That's probably so. If they were close. acting suspicious, or people, or cops were bought off, or something, just because of the champagne. People just people want the real life to be a movie, huh? Like, yeah. Including you and me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I love the idea that there was this mistaken identity. He put the the, the hat on. That's in, just so in perfect, slow motion. Isn't it? Yeah. And from behind, it gets blasted. It's just I can almost just picture the, the the film itself. Yeah. But then you think a bunch of guys get really drunk on a boat. You you know it's illegal to drink at the time. One of them falls, hits his head. They they postpone taking him to shore because they don't know what to do, and then he dies. Yeah, and that's it. It's boring. Yeah, and they are all just worried about getting in trouble. Yeah, no, they did immediately rush him to the hospital for his chest pains, or or who knows? I mean, if he was shot, but uh, well, this is coming from a newspaper owned by the guy that shot him. Well, though, also right? also <laughs> also this is nineteen twenty four. Uh huh. When, indigestion was a huge when you could back die then. of indigestion. Right, yeah, right. I mean, come on. Yeah, back then that's that would you wouldn't even raise your eyebrows reading that. You'd be like, of course he did. He yeah, was in a boat one hour after eating. And apparently, the indigestion was caused due to his consumption of almonds and champagne, which isn't <laughs> the first time on the show we've had someone die from champagne. Champagne. There was there was that amateur wrestler in the 1800s who celebrated his victory by drinking like that's eight right. bottles of champagne and eating the glasses. Gosh, who knows what what the champagne was made of back then. There, it was probably something where you eat, eat almonds and drink that. It makes arsenic in your stomach or something, naturally. Wait, there, there actually might be something to that. Isn't there something about almonds and I alcohol? Think there, I think there is. There's something weird, maybe. So Grapefruit and aspirin, mm-hmm. that's a thing. There, there's, so who knows how many weird things happened. With, and then what they'd eaten for dinner, who even knows what it is? Yeah, old old timey nineteen twenties rich people food. What yeah. could that have been? 
I don't know, like a boiled horse. It could, or yeah, something. it's, 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 it's boiled be, horse. It's gonna be lobster fricassee. <laughs> I just picture everything. Those 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 birds that you eat whole. Oh you yeah, those? and you eat the, the the beak and everything. You just eat them whole, and then you but you put a blanket over your head so God can't see. Yeah, that is so weird. Yeah, and gross. Yeah, sounds gross. Yeah. But yeah, of course. That's like that. That's the the first course is eating with a, a lampshade lampshade on your head. You know. So so are you gonna solve the mystery by saying he he ate weird poisoned rich people food? Yeah, I'm gonna say that he showed up once he got eventually to the boat. He was on there. He'd been drinking like crazy. He ate that whole bird, including the beak and the neck and the head and the feet and the nest and the nest even. And then he started choking. He had the lampshade on his head, so he yeah. couldn't. They couldn't help him <laughs> out. And then he fell. Bashed his head open, died, and then the big cover-up. They got to you know throw away the bird, throw away the lampshade. Years later, Hurst said, "Not only am I innocent of the Ince murder, so is everybody else." <laughs> what a weird thing to say! Uh-huh. I'm suddenly believe that he's guilty. Just that is such a bizarre thing to say. Well, why would he say, "Am I innocent of the murder, and not am I innocent of his death"? He's admitting right there that it was a murder. Uh, well, is is the statement the intention of the statement is to say I'm so innocent that, that not only am I innocent but I'm so innocent that no one around me did it? Well, he's, I guess this no. The point is no, no one he wasn't murdered because everyone's innocent of it. It just it's worded strange. He's guilty. And his wife said, "Do you think I would have done nothing if I even suspected that my husband had been a victim of foul play on anyone's part?" But then he countered that by, "Well, she was bought off. Or someone would buy me off." I know. Man, I, it wouldn't take a lot. Either. Yeah, I guess just ten minutes ago I said I'd probably blab. I take that back. Edit that part out, where I said even if I was bought off, I'd probably blab. I change it. Buy me off mm-hmm. to our grave. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It wouldn't. You could buy me off with. You could probably just trick me into thinking I bought myself off. You know, <laughs> some of those those things where someone tells you an idea to the point that you think it's your idea. So I might actually be talked into killing someone. And think it was my own idea. So you could. So that's the that's the cheapest buying off of anyone you could possibly do. Yeah. Where you, they owe you money. They, you, yeah. That make, I mean, hey. That's how. That's basically how our luck goes. We're in a <laughs> we're in a goddamn Ferris wheel, right. recording a podcast that we don't even want to do. That's true. Oh God. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a bill for this. I know. It oh is, shit! It, I it, just. It's a monkey's paw. You know what? I just checked my bank statement. I'm getting charged twelve ninety nine a month for this. Oh man, you're! I'm, I got bought off. You're making out like a. I got reverse surprise bought off. Yeah, this is a kind of a surprise party in a way, just if you think about it the right way. But that's funny that I mean it's it's it's, it's hilarious that that's all Ince is remembered for, and he directed directed Eight. like a hundred movies, and then produced almost a thousand. Well, th- this is like a, the O.J. Simpson case at this point, right? Because O.J., I, he's still remembered as a football player, but he's basically now remembered as the, the biggest trial of the century and all that, right? Uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say he's say? probably known for that, yeah. Much, much more than being in The Naked Gun. No, I think that's number one, and then the trial, and then... And then specifically, Naked Gun 2.5 is what he's most known for. Mm-hmm. Then the trial, then the, the, the football stuff. And then the episode of Dragnet he guest starred on. Oh, he's in Dragnet. I think he told me about. Yeah, that. it was yeah, it was a weird one. As a as a potential applicant for the LAPD, 
So I was watching it on Nick at Night, like when the trial was happening, and I was like, holy shit. Wow. I got a question for you, Sergeant Friday. I know. I remember watching Naked Gun right around the time. I'd seen it before, but seeing it after, you know, the the trial, it's strange to watch any of those Naked Gun movies. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I forgot what I was going to say. I was going to say something about that. Dang it. What can you do, man? The juice. Well, that concludes Mysteries of the Mysterious, American Crime Story, The Juice. See you later. See ya. Now we should end it on something better than that. Okay, that was a nice fake uh, end of the show. Let's let's do yeah. this. Okay. Yeah. How 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 do we make it more exciting? How do we make it more exciting? Well, that's it from us here at the Ferris wheel in Smogville, everybody. Yeah, here we are. That's right. Until Good. next time, keep eating that dough. And we'll keep making it. Impossible. Meaningless. Tell me. I usually prefer to, but tell me what's wrong. All right, I just think the, the very opening could be a little... Yes. Nothing is more important than the simple act of people getting together. Good. Could I have one more go, Lawson, please? Sorry. What? Could I have just one more take of that? Story? Why? I just did it right. Yeah. Right, look, I, I'm not used to having more than one person in there. One more word out of you and you go. Is that clear? I take, well, I take directions from one person under protest, but from two, I don't sit still. Who the hell are you, anyway? No, I'm the engineer. Well, why the hell are you asking me for another one? Well, I thought there was a slight bonk, and I would like, just like to be safe. Jesus. What is a gonk? Do you mind telling me what that is? A bang from outside. A bang from outside. Can I see Mrs. Rogers for a minute, please? Yes, certainly. We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every July, peas grow there. Do you really mean that? Yes, so in other words, I'd start half a second late. Don't you think you really want to say July over the snow? Isn't that the fun of it? It's, it, if you can make it almost when that shot disappears, it'll make my... I think it's so nice that, that you see a snow-covered field and say every July peas grow there. We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every July peas grow there. We aren't even in the fields, you see. Yeah, we are. We're talking about them growing and she's picked them. Yeah. <coughs> what? 
July. I don't understand you, then. When must, what must be over for July? Um, when we get out of that snowy field. When I was out, we were onto a can of peas, a big dish of peas, when I said in July. Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Yes, always. I'm always past that. You are? Yes. Well, that's about where I say in July. You emphasize a bit in, in July. Why? That doesn't make any sense. Sorry. There's no known way of saying an English sentence in which you begin a sentence with in and emphasize it. Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July and I'll go down on you. That's just idiotic if you'll forgive me by saying so. That's just stupid. In July. I'd love to know how you emphasize in and in July. Impossible. Meaningless. I think all they were thinking about was that they didn't want to. He isn't thinking. Wilson, can we just do one last Yeah. And it was my fault. I should I said in July. If you can leave every July. You didn't say it. He said it. Your friend. Every July? So after the show. No, you don't really mean every July. But that's a that's bad copy. It's in July. Of course it's every July. Too much directing around here. Norway. Fish fingers in Nor Findus, Norway. We know a certain fjord in Norway, near where the cod gather in great shoals. There, Janste Stangeland. Shit. Fraction more on the on that shoals thing, because you roll it around very nicely. Yeah, roll it around, and I have no more time. You don't know what I'm up against, because it's full of of, of things that are only correct because they're grammatical, but they're tough on the ear. You see, this is a very wearying one. It's unpleasant to read. Unrewarding. Because Findus freeze the cod at sea and then add a crumb crisp, crumb crisp coating. Ah, that's tough, crumb crisp coating. I think, no, because of the way it's written, you need to break it up because it's not, it's not as conversationally written. What? Take crumb Take out. Take crumb out. Good. Here under protest is beef burgers. We know a little place in the American far west where Charlie Briggs chops up the finest prairie-fed beef and tastes... This is a lot of shit, you know that. You want one more? More on what beef? You, you missed the first beef, actually, completely. What do you mean, missing it? You're emphasizing prairie fair. But you can't emphasize beef. That's like he's wanting me to emphasize in before July. Come on, fellas, you're losing your heads. I wouldn't direct any living actor like this in Shakespeare. Well, you do this. It's impossible. Orson, you did six last year, and by far and away the best, and I know the, the reason. The right reading for this is the one I'm giving it. At the moment. I spent 20 times more for you people than any other commercial I've ever made. You are such pests. Now, what is it you want? No, I think... In your depths of your ignorance, what is it you want? Whatever it is you want, I can't deliver because I just don't see it. That was absolutely fine. It really was. You, you can't... It isn't worth it. No money is worth it.